This film was approved under the Motion Picture Code of Self-Regulation. And now... We're thinking in terms of a film. The question is... What are we trying to do with this movie? By George. That is a good question. Is everybody happy? Let's go! Hey, welcome to Film Frown. Uh, we watch bad movies and review them because if the NSA is going to collect all our communications, we're going to make them work for it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris, and I am not a Playboy Playmate. Um, and with me, as always, is the uh, Page Six Centerfold from the fictional April thir- April 2013 Developers Record Monthly, Paul. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Yeah, that was, uh, that was the PHP month, so they, they had me. Right, right. I I just imagine you like standing there, like it's the pullout, of course, and like you just have like an iPad with the Apple logo conveniently placed. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> all right, um, it's a little late now. I was gonna say before all the Tommy rot begins. Hey, oh, oh, that's a Darren exactly reference. That's a Darren word. It's a good word. Yes. I, uh, I need to introduce our guest. I'm very excited to introduce uh, one of the authors from the Awkward Human Survival Guide. He's a filmmaker, artist, composer, podcaster on the 5x5 network for Supercharged and the Awkward Human Survival Guide, and the lover of poop. It's Adam Dodges. Hey. <laughs> hey. I'm also, um, while, you're, while you're saying, while you're over-complimenting me, I'm also uh, starring as Martin Sheen in the uh, remake of The West Wing. So I just want to get that out oh. there. Uh, as for things wow. that are happening, I, 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 uh, <laughs> it's very sweet of you to, to, to say that I'm a composer and everything. Um, a composer <laughs> of nonsense. Yes, a composer. Yeah. Oh, okay. If that's what you meant, that's really that's actually accurate. So I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this other? <laughs> no, he has he has audio tracks on his site. I swear. So I do. I did the research somewhere. Yeah. Um, we are Sometimes. also lucky to have with us. Another filmmaker, he writes, directs, produces, edits, and does cinematography. Be sure to check out Tennis on his YouTube yeah. channel, and you'll never challenge him to a game. He's a <laughs> co-host uh, on the 5x5 Network uh, show Supercharged and the Awkward Human Survival Guide, and he's a Hungarian prince and destroyer of rat tails. It's Darren Hertzig. Howdy. Ha, that is a stellar introduction. I'm going to have to use that as my official intro copy. <laughs> I'm I'm really nice. I'm really impressed with and uh, and like mildly creeped out with the amount of stalking you guys did about us. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I I've never done that for anyone. I have to I have to catch up. Well, you know you you just been shown well, up. That's, that's not true. I've never done that and told anyone about it. Okay. <laughs> Well, Chris is definitely, yeah, uh, uh, between the two of us, he is a huge, huge uh, supercharged fan. And I will admit... But you're not. Uh, <laughs> I, I will admit that I listened to one episode, and I listened to that episode earlier today. Uh, Did you prefer Shockhammer or Supercharged? And be honest. Uh, I think everyone prefers Shockhammer. Yeah. Down. You can go, feel free to go Yeah, that. I be think... Be honest, just, just say you preferred Shockhammer and move on. I think, I think it was Shockhammer. Good. Yeah. I heard we watched a movie. <laughs> Did you? Yes. <laughs> nice segue. For, for this podcast, podcast, you mean the one called Film Frown? Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, we've never watched a movie for Supercharged. Maybe we should. Yeah, maybe, maybe the Steve Jobs movie. movie. 
Oh. Wouldn't that be appropriate? I get to go for free on Sunday. Not because I'm special, but because my roommate is. <laughs> yeah, she's, <laughs> she's got a touch of the downs. Can I say that on this show? I don't know. They're bleeping us out. It's not really a bleep-worthy thing. <laughs> Anyhow, I don't think that's one of the seven. what it would sound like with a bleep. <laughs> touch, touch, touch of the bleep. Of the, oh, that would be great. Anyhow. She does have a touch of the bleep. <laughs> but if I, if I'll, I'll bleep out touch and not down. <laughs> yeah. So... Ooh, I like that. That sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll leave it to you guys. You guys know what you're doing here. I can't even remember to believe I, uh, I used to be really lazy and just have the guests introduce themselves because I couldn't do them justice. But uh, I started listening to Gilbert yeah. Godfrey's uh, podcast, and he does these like five-minute intros of people. And I'm like, that's flattering. I like that. I should do that. It makes a lot more research for me, though. <laughs> I'm impressed you can listen to that much of his voice. <laughs> yes. You know what the best Gilbert Gottfried uh, recording ever is is when he did Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh my god, he did. Yeah, the whole book. No, not the whole book. I think it was for Jimmy Kimmel or one of those uh, shows. Oh, it was beautiful. That's about as far as I ever got in Fifty Shades of Grey. However, <laughs> it was it was something else. He uh, actually, I'm so glad we're pitching all these other shows instead of our own. Um, he. <laughs> he he uh he did an ad for Cards Against Humanity on his show once, and uh, they were like, um, in lieu of ad copy, we just want you to read um, Bill um, Bill Paxson's uh, speech from Independence Day. <laughs> wow, and it, it okay, was beautiful, I gotta, and I was I like, even a podcast, I gotta check this out. Everyone has a podcast. Well, yeah, I guess that's a good point. <laughs> but I did, you know, like after you introduced us so beautifully, I feel like I've been doing it wrong for. Well, I guess three I, years. I have been telling you that for at least two years. You have. <laughs> I've been thinking it. I just haven't had the guts, and I feel emboldened on this show. In in the safe space of a completely different podcast, I feel like I can tell you the truth. Yeah. Well. I, okay. Even though we're, we're oh, even though we are in the room where we podcast. Mm-hmm. Our podcast. <laughs> yeah. If I get a, I've got a, I've got a sex toy next to me. Well, please don't use it while I'm here. <laughs> all of the stuff we are saying is actually true. By the way, it is all true. I know that sounds like a yes. cast, but I'm holding it right now. It's, it's special. Mm, no. It actually, it's a good segue to my intro to the movie because I'm looking at the copy that I wrote and that works. Um, because <laughs> tonight we are, we're reviewing a, a film by an auteur, basically. Um, an auteur yeah. following in the giant uh, exploitive footprints of Russ Meyer. Um, Andy Sedaris made like, 12 guns, girls, and G-string films, and uh, <laughs> they're all about bullets, babes, and bombs. Those are both box sets of his, by the way. Um, <laughs> he is the... This is the kind of film uh, young Chris stayed up late to watch on cable movie channels in his masturbatorium. So, <laughs> that's where that, I got the I, I gotta sex say, that toy is one drawn. of my favorite words ever, so thank you for using that. Is that a real word? <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it did. It was. It made a long time ago. Or was that? Did that? Was that in that Running with Scissors book? Is that that's where I think I got it too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That must not have made it to the movie. It did. It did. Yeah. I um, hated the it, movie. Yes. I didn't. I didn't hate the movie, but I because of that basically. I was already in my anti Ryan Murphy phase at that point. That was Ryan Murphy. <laughs> Didn't you know that? Where have oh, you been? I'm a little disappointed <laughs> now. But the but see, hearing Brian Cox say, "I can't get out of my masturbatorium or whatever it was," that was just lovely. I'm going to let you talk now because no, 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 no. <laughs> you should go, you should continue talking, Adam. Just keep talking, and we'll we'll just we'll go off of you. I'm going to go sit over here. <laughs> 
when hosts go on other shows. Um, <laughs> yeah, Sid, Sidaris, um, I didn't know this until I started uh, doing more research. And uh, he actually started out in sports broadcasting and won so many Emmys that he started giving them away. And he had a hand in creating uh, instant replay. And um, But really, everybody calls him the father of the honey shot. That is when the cameras pan to the audience or the cheerleaders. Wow. <laughs> Imagine that after watching this movie. It. Yep. Wow. Well, that would actually explain why later in the film, uh, I hope I'm not jumping the gun here, but why later in the film there's that weird digression with like a sportscaster. Yeah. Yeah, that does that does help kind of flesh that whole thing out a little bit because those it, I think I have it in my notes later on, but this uh, this movie is like watching Attack of the B plots over and over again. You just keep <laughs> trying to invade on the on the main storyline, which I guess makes sense because it's not really that great of a main storyline anyway. But <laughs> continue, Chris. The uh, movie that Darren chose for us is Hard to Get to Hawaii, the second film in apparently this series of movies because they all go together, kind of. So you guys have like 11 more to watch. Um, wow. I've seen like a couple. I own the Bullets and Bombs and Babes collection, a, a prior one, the one that's out of print. And um, it has Malibu Express, which I believe kicks off the trilogy. Is is ah. Fit to Kill the third one? Or is it, they're all they're I don't know, but... Linked. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe they're not all linked, but I do remember. I did see Fit to Kill, and when you said Hard Ticket to Hawaii, I just assumed they were the same movie. And then I started watching this, and I was like, I have not seen this before. I do not recognize those breasts. Because, yeah, random. I Um, have only seen Hard Ticket to Hawaii. I've never watched the other two movies because Hard Ticket to Hawaii is truly like a crown jewel. It's it's like – it's just got so many things – like. It's got so many things. Like that female bodybuilder is really, she's like a siren and she calls to me and she lures me into that film. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. And she wheels nunchucks. I just didn't, I wasn't aware that uh, when I watched this, I was signing up for an entire cinematic universe. I thought it was, <laughs> I thought this was just a one, you know, a one off thing. I'm finding that out right now. Well, frankly, I will take this cinematic universe over the Marvel cinematic <laughs> universe any day of the week. I'm with Darren. I'm with Darren. I get. I hear that regularly. <laughs> it's true. You do. No. <laughs> We're having fun already with the film, so I'm just going to jump in and skip anything else I had um, and just start with the synopsis. So feel free to jump in with uh, likes and dislikes and rewrites and opinions. Oh, don't and, say that. We're going to interrupt. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to have a single rewrite, honestly. Like, <laughs> why would I rewrite protection? <laughs> it's true. Um, so like every sequence in this film, uh, we start out with a sunrise or a sunset (laughs) and we cut to the Malibu Express, uh, callback to the other, uh, Sedaris film, uh, which is a yacht in a harbor and Rowdy, great name, and Donna (laughs) are talking about the agency and apparently they're sending her to some other island and so they won't be together anymore. Um... And then we get some awesome sexism because Rowdy's like, drug enforcement is no job for a woman. Um, and yeah, it's been, I think, a minute and a half. So the next thing we need is breasts. So Donna remedies that and we get a little bit of, is there a lovemaking scene here or is it just like um, kissing? I think, is it a postcardal? 
I think or, no, because they or start in between. She takes her shirt blouse, her top off, and and then she starts making out with him. I don't think they have sex uh, yet because I think they save the real like choice sex scene for the, like the middle. Right. And you don't want to blow the load in the beginning of the film. Yeah. I mean, I certainly understand why he started there, but if, I just said I wouldn't do a rewrite, but I have to say I would pro- I would probably cut that whole first scene because I just want to get to Molokai. Mm-hmm. No, but I, that, that first scene is so short, and I feel like it really – when I saw that, I was like, oh, this might be softcore porn. Well, and plus, yeah, Donna Spear does get a chance to showcase her true assets <laughs> right up front, so that is, that is pretty important. So just a, a note about Donna Spear. It really throws me off. Uh, um, uh, you know, Chris, you listen to, to – uh, shock hammer more and so you know i have nazis on the brain all the time her last name is so similar sounding to albert spear the architect of the nazi regime i constantly think that she's his daughter <laughs> and i know that's not true <laughs> that's kind of off-putting isn't it so now that's going to color the rest of the <laughs> they are all blondes they are all blonde yeah it's a hard ticket to hawaii which is definitely a nazi tenant um and, and <laughs> I see you. I see you crinkling your brow. I'm, no, I'm just confused. I don't know why. It was, it was, I'm not, it not, was a really bad joke. Okay. Yeah. All right. You'll explain Aloha. it to me later. No, there's nothing to explain. Aloha. Thank you. It's <laughs> very appropriate here. It is. Anyhow, I guess. I guess that's my interjection for now. Yes. You may continue. You may continue. Yeah, I think when I started watching it, I realized, like, wow, I guess I've become an old man because all these blondes look alike to me. <laughs> all these white people look alike to me. They, Donna and Taryn have a very similar look. But Donna, I would say, has certain uh, a larger-than-life, so to speak, <laughs> um, quality that Taryn is a little smaller with. But yes. They're so coy. Their dress size are, are pretty different. Yes, I was actually going to do my intro for the show as like, hi, I'm Chris, and I'm probably a C-cup, but then there's no bras in this film at all, so I figured it was inappropriate. No, yeah, it's true. That was wise. Um, I'm going to while we're at it, actually. <laughs> wow. So we, uh, we finally do get to Molokai, and uh, we cut to some police, and they arrive by police raft, as they do in Hawaii, I'm sure. And uh, <laughs> the one grabs a shotgun, but the other officer says, you're not going to need that. And uh, he's the more seasoned officer, and he's like, you know, this is just a mom-and-pop like weed farm here. I don't bust them because they're small time, and they'll give me the good stuff. Um, but, oh, wait, it's not small time anymore. Let's get out of here. Oops. <laughs> They're caught in a snare trap. Who writes these notes? Um, so here come these amazing henchmen. Uh, I don't even, anyone care to describe the awesome hench guys? Well, oh, because if I'm not mistaken, it's the like really like platinum balding blonde guy with the mustache and the like three-quarter pants and a skateboard. Or does he have a, I don't think he has a skateboard in that scene. And then it's the like extremely heavy guy I love the with skateboard. like the, the like skeleton earring. With the Hawaiian shirt, right? <laughs> yeah, and then Shades, the other blonde guy. Oh, sh- oh, Shades is in there too, huh? Yeah, it's like yeah, the Shades is in there yeah. too, and he's the one that blows everybody away, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I believe so. The bazooka guy? No, no, he I, shoots. I, he shoots I, I, these two cops. I'm really frisbee. The, oh, he's the frisbee guy. He's the one yeah. who, who. Okay, yeah, I'm very bad at remembering people. <laughs> I know what happened. 
I don't know who they are. <laughs> well, Shades also never takes his shades off, so that's that's a tip off. It's true. Okay. All right, I can do that. But I they do. are all blonde except for the, the really fat guy. I do remember Mr. Chang though. You can't. <laughs> I can't forget. Yeah. Don't don't blow I, the I Mr. Chang low just I won't. yet. No, I've got. I, I have that saved up. <laughs> I uh yeah I have to say like the the larger guy who is not blonde like um I just couldn't help it and so I think further along in my notes like I call him like um an alternate universe Hervé Villachez who didn't suffer from like dwarfism. Oh, that is really a pro- that's like that's spot on. Yeah, he looks a lot like yeah I just wanted him to be like and he doesn't really talk much either. He's like hey get in the car. Like, you know, like, yeah, you know, no, like he, it. his lines, his lines are like the same and the similar cadences. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, we go from the cops getting uh, trapped and shot to uh, our basically it, it felt like a Looney Tunes cartoon credit time to me. Um, not not that it wasn't done well. I mean, it's all the credits are on crates and boxes and things you'd find in a warehouse. Um <laughs> and they, you could tell how much they loved that. It was yes. They they were they thought they were so well, clever. Frankly, it's 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 a it's a startling piece of of printing, mm-hmm. a great print job, and yeah. a startling piece of uh, analog wizardry by tacking <laughs> up pieces of paper with the credits onto crates, mm-hmm. but making it look kind of, but not really at all, like it's burnt onto the crate. Yes, that would have been the next step, the next budgetary tier. Yeah, but we didn't. Right. It would have been worse if they didn't. Yeah, it was uh, for for a money saving technique. It worked really well, so I I did enjoy it. Um, uh, eventually, some bad fork truck driving uh, results in the packing straps uh, breaking on a crate with a live snake in it, and we get to see the puppet snake. Woo! Oh, um, that snake! <laughs> yes, I'm not a I'm not a I don't like snakes. I'm not a big fan of them, even puppet ones. I don't. Uh, I mean, I kind of understand how snakes move, but I don't understand well enough to estimate the distance I should stay away from them, like I do with like a bear or something else. So, <laughs> well, oh, they're fast; they'll murder you just as soon as look at you. Don't get your education in Florida, though, because when I w- lived there for five months, and that was longer than I had planned on, they te- they you get snake education. Uh, I mean, if you go anywhere where there is a there's a risk of it, and they tell you, yeah, wear higher socks. <laughs> oh no! Like this is gonna do anything? Yeah, but this is Florida logic. Yeah. This is not exactly like one of the great states. That's oh, like, sorry, Floridians. That's like the advice. Like what? When there was the big like, uh oh, like after nine eleven, like the whole like you need to be prepared for terrorist attack. So make sure you have like some plastic and duct tape to put around your windows because that will keep bombs out. I, uh, <laughs> Yeah, or even I feel like even better in the fifties when duck there were like n- nuclear warnings. Yeah, to duck and cover from mm-hmm. from a nuclear bomb. Because <laughs> <laughs> like they just, I don't think anyone believed that would work. They just had to tell people to do something as if it would, you know, it's just so they don't freak out. Well, and the problem with the high socks uh, advice is, if the snake is contaminated, I don't even think the high socks are going to do anything. No, not especially not with the cancers. Rat cancer, rat cancer injected that. into said snake, but 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 we get ahead of ourselves, no? <laughs> oh, see, I don't, I don't think he's been injected. I think he's eaten some bad cancerous rats, and so he's eaten the cancer too. Oh, that makes so much more sense than my theory that he was experimented on and thus contaminated. <laughs> right? Yeah. 
It doesn't answer the question why you would ship him in an open wooden crate then if he's contagious. <laughs> well, because he has to be a plot mechanic later on. <laughs> this is true. Plot device. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not certain that the writers actually understand how cancer toxins or really science in general works. But <laughs> that's okay. You understand it. I think they understand it and, and explicitly went the other direction. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. I mean, as I said, Andy Sedaris is an auteur, so um, he wrote this as well. Like, there is no other writers, I don't think, credited on the IMDb. But ah, okay. I, I did see an interview with his wife, and um, or no, I saw an interview with him on, like, uh, YouTube with uh, Joe Bob Briggs, and he said that, like, Joe Bob says, how many days does it take you to write one of these movies? And he says, oh, about uh, four and he's like, what? And he's like, well, I write it in four days. And then my wife, Arlene, she, you know, takes a week or so to put in some plot and stuff. <laughs> well, I don't think Arlene was around in 87, though, was she? Or, or have they been married for, for some time? I think she's listed as the producer of this one. But it could oh, be wrong. Oh, that is... that is, I, Yeah, I didn't notice that. Because I just feel like he's got to 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 play the field with with Donna and Julie Strain and all his other bevy of bullets and babes and bombs beauties because how, how could he not yeah i was really interested when i kind of started researching on youtube there was a video and i don't know if it's like a public access morning show or something um but it's like an interview with him and donna and his wife arlene promoting like i think uh, this film or Picasso trigger <laughs> and like, and, and uh, Arlene is sitting in a chair next to the interviewer, I believe, or maybe on the same couch as Andy, but Donna has her arm around Andy and he's like leaning towards her. <laughs> wow. I, he, I think he's just like, just like the, the, the like more like the Hawaiian sportscastery. Uh, uh, not that he's Hawaiian, but you know what I mean. Uh, uh, like Hugh Hefner, you know, he's like the he's like the bargain basement Hugh Hefner, who makes sure. movies. I have a quick question, um, just because I'm curious how much we've actually infected you with tangentia here. How, how long does it usually take you to get through a synopsis? Is it more or less than 25 minutes? It's gen- it's generally more. Okay, okay, yeah. so we're we're doing all right then. Yeah, yeah. we're doing okay, although. <laughs> How long do you guys have? Because I, I, I'll make sure that we uh, we do move it along. If uh, oh you know. no no no, I was just curious if if uh, if it was us or or not. <laughs> not at all. Paul's on the East Coast, well, so for- you know it's like only like eleven thirty or something. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um. So uh, yeah. So from the snake and the crate, uh, we cut to um, a sunrise, of course, and now. Um, we have Donna meeting up with Taryn as she showers outside after a jog. And uh, mm-hmm. apparently Taryn is in witness protection and she's just a civilian, yet she works with Donna and the Drug Enforcement Agency. So, whatever. Um, <laughs> and now they, that I know that there's a there's a precursor to this, I assume that uh, some of the plot that happens in that, you know, the questionable amount of plot that happens in that is actually the setup for these, what they're talking about here. I, or is that, or does that have absolutely nothing to do with what they're talking about? I wondered, like later on, when Donna's like looking at pictures of her dad, I'm like, oh, maybe that's from the first one because they do like a lot of weird talking. But then it's also like these Sedaris movies, so you just never know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. 
I, I feel like we could stuff. watch Malibu Express and not find any tying things, but maybe I could be wrong. Besides Donna. <laughs> See, it just I don't actually think Donna is in uh, Malibu Express because uh, she's not top build. I was looking at the credits. Oh, okay. So I feel like I don't know what I feel. <laughs> it's a it's a new sensation from all the boobs you've been seeing. Yeah, right? yeah. you know the okay. thing is, it's just that Andy Sedaris he doesn't need to be bound by such conventions as continuity. You know, like he, as Chris was saying, is an auteur and he does as he pleases as an auteur should. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and yeah. I, I'm just too scared to watch another one of his movies because Hard Ticket to Hawaii is so good that like. <laughs> I just don't – it's just like when you've seen the masterpiece, like do you really want to see – you know, like I was going to use like a Mona Lisa analogy, but I don't really like the Mona Lisa, so it doesn't really work. The Statue of David I think is – Oh, but, but the Statue of David, but then you have the Sistine Chapel and the, and the fresco of the Last Supper. But, yeah, but I haven't mm-hmm. seen either of those and I have seen the ten- Well, I've seen, I've seen them all. <laughs> they're, all they're all great. <laughs> it's like the reboot argument. Like why would you reboot something that worked so well the first time? I don't know the answer to that. There, there is no reason. It's, right. a, it's an eternal mess. M- money, cash, money, <laughs> money. Yeah, right. Which, which is what uh, you know, Donna and uh, Taryn need to make cash money. So they they head to the warehouse to pick up cargo because they're pilots and some uh, gents that work in the warehouse grab the snake, as it were. Wow, that's in my notes. Anyway, um, <laughs> they we see the straps on the floor and uh, it says like quarantined contaminated um and uh yeah so <laughs> i love this i love this team meeting that he has where he's just like you two knuckleheads <laughs> what's going on here you gotta pay attention that snake is dangerous okay i think you've glossed over what donna and taryn are wearing which i think is really important to know because uh, I don't think I've seen a pair of shorts that short in quite some time. <laughs> and it's this like weird, the, the shirts are completely cropped and open, like open and they're wearing like mirrored aviators. It's like the epitome of like 80s porn. And then like, mm-hmm. I think. And they have like a bunch of like tools like strapped to their belt of their tiny yeah. shorts. And <laughs> Well, because that's what airplane pilots need, you know, like puddle jumper airplane pilots need is like a, a, a good wrench on their utility belt. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, a wrench, a hammer, maybe some throwing stars and nunchucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the girls also pick up some honeymooners to take to the island, and uh, there's lots of pointless flying, and then the amazing title song, which I totally forgot to sample so that I could play it. But, I, you know, it's a much <laughs> richer experience during the movie anyway so that you can see all the beautiful pictures of a plane flying and try yeah. to be convinced yeah. that the girls are actually piloting the plane. Yeah. So, but it's not paradise all the time. It's no. a hard ticket to Hawaii. Yes. Yes. Well, what I find a, a wonderful is that there's not one but two theme songs for this movie. There's the hard ticket to Hawaii opener, and then there's just plain old hard ticket for the credits. Mm-hmm. Yep. I thought that really was amazing, too. And that's obviously where the audio budget went, because the rest of the music during this <laughs> film was pulled from, like, the same sound effect CD, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I feel like it's just uh, it's just hard to get to Hawaii, like, reorchestrated with, you know, different instruments and tempos. Yes. For the romantic scenes? Uh, oh, yes, yes. It is definitely. Oh, and, what, and how romantic are those scenes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so the uh, the warehouse foreman realizes his mistake, um, and so he tries to call their plane, but it's too late because the girls have landed, and they're bringing the honeymooners on a hike to their romantic camping spot so they can not answer the radio. Um, and you just, you know, it's all about your willing suspension of disbelief because I'm pretty sure that there's no such thing as like an alternator on a airplane so like your battery is your battery so you would obviously always turn it off so i don't think but that's overthinking it yeah. and i should just look at the breasts and be happy um yep. so that's what andy sedaris wants yes uh meanwhile this is adam's favorite character the british villain villain is on a yacht, and he tells his men not to worry and sends his radio-controlled model helicopter from the ship to the island. <laughs> and what's he- I love that he's a, he's a drone pilot in 1987. That's way, way ahead of his time. That's how he was become so successful. But I'm curious, did they ever... I, I may have missed this, because I watched this when I was pretty tired. Um, <laughs> did they ever explain why his name is Mr. Chain? Yeah, he's half. Yes. He's half British and half and half Chinese. Oh, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> in the world of the film, he is. In the just, world. <laughs> in a similar Hawaiian film did this with... Um, uh, um, uh, what's her name? From Aloha. For Cameron Crowe's Aloha. With To, to Much Scandal. Oh, to, uh, yeah. Uh, that one. Emma Stone. Emma Stone. The same thing. Mm-hmm. She definitely does not look like she's part of Vietnamese or, or what was she supposed to be in that movie? Oh, Chinese? I don't remember anymore. Some, whatever the case. Swedish and, and, and... The more we talk about, the more racist it is. Anyhow, all I'm saying is Eddie Sedaris was Cameron Crowe before Cameron Crowe even knew he was Eddie Sedaris. I, I, I think he doesn't know that still. <laughs> I don't know. And he's still not, he still hasn't, he's not there yet. What is oh, that Mr. movie was special. No. What is Mr. Chang holding? The, the, the fate of Molokai in yeah. his hands. I, oh, is he holding something? He I, At first I just thought it was like a cane, and then I realized it was far too small to be a cane, but it, it didn't look – it was like solid. It didn't look like it was leather like a riding crop or anything, and I was like, what the hell is that? Huh. No, I don't know. I don't remember that. I don't, I remember him holding a katana at one point, but we're I'm getting later. <laughs> yeah. It was just a really uh, like a sugar cane that he was nibbling on. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and then IMDb, like uh, you know, consider the source. But someone on IMDb in the trivia for this film said that um, that's uh, Glenn A. Larson's yacht, according to them. So. Oh, really? Which Andy Sedaris does thank uh, Glenn A. Larson Productions. So who knows? Wow. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, the girls fly, see the helicopter flying at them, and, of course, they're terrified of radio-controlled uh, helicopters, as you are. And uh, then they, when it lands, they go over and open the door and find two small boxes. However, before they can inspect them further, the girls are jumped by our awkward boy band of villains. Um, uh, it's I, actually Shades is in here, but it's uh, Hervé Villachez in the uh, Mister Ugly Pants. So yes, <clears throat> uh, aren't they jumped by a bodybuilding lady too? Later, later, oh, that's later. I, there's there's so many jumpings. Yes, yeah. yeah luckily, um, as Paul alluded, uh, Donna has a throwing star and uh, hits uh, Hervé Villachez, and then uh, Taryn throws like one of her tools, maybe from her. Uh, utility belt and hits uh, Mr. Bad Pants mm-hmm. and then uh, 
At that same time, apparently, we're supposed to notice that Donna has dropped one of the boxes, and uh, she's got no time to grab it because she has to go over to the bad guy and retrieve her throwing star. You know, she's on a government budget, so um, she needs that back. (laughs) Um, And they run away to the plane, and uh, the plane. Mm -hmm, uh, The plane, the plane. (laughs) The uh, guys uh, get up and realize that the chopper is empty, and uh, as it flies away, they drop to their knees because they are Shakespearean actors, these guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they're terrified to tell their boss, uh, Seth, what has happened. Um, and then uh, there's a shot of uh, what the, the girls land and uh, unload the snake. Wow. Anyway, and yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> read the care and feeding manual. Um, with some superb acting. Uh, and then it's off to the jacuzzi because Donna says she does her best thinking there. <laughs> well, what's, yeah. what's interesting is they're in that jacuzzi for like a second. <laughs> yes, that that maybe. was the moment, like up in, if you hadn't noticed, that was, the, that was the moment where I started becoming more engaged to the film. <laughs> well, I mean, naturally so. There were, there were two topless women in, in a jacuzzi, because I know that's your thing, Adam. Yeah, very much. With diamonds. Because yeah. nothing goes better mm, mm-hmm. with diamonds than four breasts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the yeah. son of a jeweler. I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep them in the back to make sure the diamonds go well with them when they're making all of the stuff. Yes. There's my, at my dad's factory, there are just tons and tons of topless women next to the diamonds. You got when, when we're talking about blood diamonds, you've got to give people something to, you know, keep them going. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yep. What are they? I forget what they discuss in the jacuzzi. It's it's like the it's it's about the worth of the diamond. I forget. Oh, oh no! It's like really cheesy. Like oh my gosh, they're diamonds. And then Taryn's like, I'm out of here. And she's like, You can't leave. You're in the witness protection program. And she's like, We better call uh, Rowdy or something. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Has has Taryn called? I think it's in this scene that she first calls Donna Kimasabi. That's yes. probably right. Because there's a lot of good, like, you're telling me, Kimasabi, or you too, Pilgrim. Like, there's a lot of really good, uh, I don't know what the grammatical term for that is anymore, because I'm not in seventh grade, but maybe one of you, <laughs> whatever, the object, I don't know, whatever, you guys, every, everyone, all, 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 the millions of listeners know what I'm talking about. Yes. Right, right. Good. I'm sure my mom would know, but I told her not to listen, because I was going to use the word masturbatorium. <laughs> so, uh, oh, wow. we, uh. We cut to Edie's where our uh, director is pretending to be uh, meeting a woman for some reason. He's like a producer, we learn later, a TV producer. But it's the director, Andy Sedaris, and he's clearly the best actor in the film. (laughs) Oh, he's really good. Well, he has one of Adam's favorite lines, I believe. This is the, the, where this line is. Wait, wait, so he, he, who does he play again? The one, the rape line? Oh, he plays That's the director. Whitey. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Okay. So good. I can get started. Um, the the first line I wrote down was, "You almost raped me last night." And then Whitey says, "That was last night. This is today." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he yeah. like the waitress comes over, <laughs> and he just stares at her chest, and she's like, "What do you have?" And he's like, "I don't know if he just doesn't want to steal like classic jokes because he does later on, but instead he says, i 'I'll have.'" two coffees and obviously the joke is two milks like what the heck 
Yeah, but you know, like I say, he's he's he operates on his own terms exclusively. This 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 auteur, and uh, I think for that he demands utmost respect and no questioning of choices. <laughs> I will stop questioning him then. Yeah, I know. I mean, don't like it's like how do you how do you you can't look, genius is so is so mysterious, right? And you know, I feel like the, the, if you try and peel back the layers of genius. It might be more like an onion than we realize and hollow in the center. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, like he's he doesn't want to be pigeonholed into a genre. Like he's making <laughs> his own films. <laughs> exactly. He's a trail he's a maverick. He's he's the original Mark Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been watching too much Shark Tank. I apologize. <laughs> oh. Um so the, anyway, the camera moves to another table where Mr. Romero is sitting with his uh, bodybuilding uh, bodyguard woman that Darren likes. Uh, and he sees his two henchmen outside, so he gets up and uh, we say uh, Hervé Villachez and Mr. Uh, Terrible Pants. And uh, <laughs> he learns that the package was intercepted. And he has a classic line um, that I wrote down. And uh, I was like, really? Because like uh, even Paul commented, like so many of these jokes fall flat. But he's like, if if brains were bird shit, you both would have clean cages. Oh, that was my second line. Was it? I mean, honestly, I don't. I think that joke it lands on me. Let's let's put it that way. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's it's almost as though he made this movie just for me because I I, I really that way sometimes. there are no flaws. No, I will agree with you. Like. Uh, I was just thinking of a conversation with Paul, um, or actually he was just uh, writing at me when he was watching the movie. But uh, I agree, that one did land. I feel like all the lines that Rowdy and his friends do are just pretty flat for the most part. Although Rowdy's pretty good. It's that Harold Diamond who plays Jade, his friend, oh. who he's just awful. Jade is stunning. Like the, Jade the ponytail. Jade is ponytail karate master. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was a favorite. Oh, he he is. Yeah, I don't I don't know what school of acting he went to, but frankly, I wish more actors went to that school because I think it has a certain sort of unheralded charm that that you know it deserves more accolades. He went to the kickboxing school of acting. Yeah. Yes. Well, <clears throat> he, really, he really yeah kickboxing describes his look perfectly. Well, he then again, I feel like maybe. Maybe Jean-Claude Van Damme and Chuck Norris went to a similar school, but I feel like they maybe graduated with higher honors. <laughs> Chuck Norris, I think, is a far too complicated human being to try to explain with a word. And Jean-Claude Van Damme isn't? Well, no, no but not like Chuck Norris. Anyhow, we're not here to talk about the buses <laughs> from Brussels. We're here to talk about <laughs> our ticket to Hawaii. Um. So, yeah, this is the... Uh, so we did the topless scene uh, at the jacuzzi, and... Um, so that was the kind of the Edie's thing was in the middle of there. But anyway, uh, so we cut to the Malibu Express where Rowdy is training with his friend that we were just talking about, Jade, um, who really was like a kickboxer. That's where what he did before he started acting. He's, he's a different kind of acting for sure. Um, <laughs> and and they, they, they start off with some awesome cheesy kung fu impersonations. Um, and then the su- oh. sushi delivery guy drives up. It, but he doesn't deliver sushi. No, he delivers a sandwich, like a cheese, a disgusting mm. cheese sandwich. Yes. And it, yeah. it was it was vegetarian, but also informative. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, and the delivery guy is uh, Sedaris's son, who actually I think he del- he directed some of the later twelve films. 
and uh, Andy just produced them. Wow. I wish my father had, had sort of given to me an empire like the <laughs> cinematic yeah. empire. All I have is a diamond mind. You know, a diamond mind. I feel a <laughs> mind for that. But I, all I have is now a diamond mind and, and, and grief. That's the empire I've inherited. Mm. Anyhow. Yeah, so as you alluded, the sushi guy uh, apparently works for the agency, as everyone does on the islands, and uh, he delivers a note that there's trouble in paradise. Um, and so then we cut to the girls who are discussing a, Mal- a Malibu Express poster uh, that mm-hmm. Taryn has, and they're also discussing the size of Rowdy's stuff. Um. <laughs> oh, and this, this is when the female bodybuilder makes an appearance. Yes, because they, she and the really dumb guy come to, like, kidnap or, like, beat them up or kidnap them, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure she was a woman right away. But the size, like, I forget. what They discuss the size of his member, and doesn't she say that he's, like, not very big? Yes, yes, because it's a joke. So she says um, he's, it's, I don't remember yet. Yeah, it's, like, something, like, it's not that big. And then she's like, what are we saying? She's like four inches. And she's like, oh, my God, really? And then uh, Donna's like, from the ground. I measured it from the ground up. Yeah, see, that one actually took, for for whatever reason, that took me a second. That one did not land for me for whatever reason. I just got it now. (laughs) I I actually just got it now, too. Uh, (laughs) I just think that would really tear someone up if it was that big. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on what you put in. Just the tip is really important. Oh, Rowdy is Rowdy. He's going to put the whole thing in. Yeah, he he's like not named Rowdy because together. he's gentle. But frankly, I feel like Donna can take it. <laughs> there are a lot of tough women in this in this movie. As sexist as it may be, they're not you know they're, they're not just sitting back and waiting. Yeah, but not none so tough as nunchuck wielding bodybuilder. Nope. It's true. It's true. I'm really glad that the joke actually landed when I said it because I felt like I stumbled over it and. I, there's not a live there's a live audience uh listening to us at least when my mom listens and uh <laughs> but i never get audience reaction so that's good good <laughs> it wasn't my joke but hey it works somewhere in here i think it's important to note that the snake has gotten loose oh like, of course somewhere somewhere <laughs> in there i mean you knew it was going to happen it just this is this oh. is doesn't so, it come? It comes loose during the attempt to kidnap them, don't they? Like bump into it and it comes, it like falls out or something in like a warehouse, or did that happen somewhere else? No, Donna, you guys are right. Um, when they're attacked and the phone line is cut and all these uh, yes. movie tropes, uh, Donna, it's weird because like it looks like this is like a studio kind of a place. Like the bedrooms don't have doors and things. But anyway, so I was really confused by that because Taryn gets nabbed by our bodybuilder lady. And then um, the dumb guy uh, goes and attacks Donna, and like neither one of them know they were being attacked. And I'm like, they're in the same room. I'm so confused. But uh, anyway, Donna's like, oh, the diamonds are in the warehouse, and so they go out there and uh, or in the hangar, and they go mm-hmm. out there, and uh, she of course tries to fight and get away, and the snake crate falls then and breaks. So. Which is all to not, I mean, it's just a device to get the snake crate uh, broken because then she gets recaptured. So, and then Taryn gives up the other box of diamonds um, and the bad guys are like, well, where's the other one? And uh, then we cut to outside where Seth, their boss, Mr. Romero, is waiting for the hench people. Um, 
<laughs> who are who are actually disguised in uh, you know the pantyhose over their head, but he's just yeah. waiting outside. Yeah. He doesn't want to mess up his hair. Um, <laughs> and if but I had, he sees the snake and he freaks the <laughs> f- out, like he is not kosher with a snake at however many hundreds of paces away it is from him. He's a very wise man. Yeah, I'm telling you, that thing, that thing you'll be inside that thing's mouth and halfway down its belly before you know it. Those things are fast. I've seen an anaconda. <laughs> Was it Rowdy's? Oh, sorry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I wish. Just kidding. Uh, what happens next? <laughs> his, uh, his hench people hear his like blood-curdling scream and firing of his gun. And so they run uh, to help him, and they leave the girls. And uh, one of the guys <laughs> trips on. I'm like, what? What is that? Like, why is there like a buried like garbage can there? It just looks like a buried garbage can lid. But uh, later we learn, I guess, that it might be like the septic tank. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so he trips on this lid, and uh, and it's an awesome thing because he trips, and they show it open, and then they show him like getting up, and he's like, I'm all right. <laughs> which like everyone's running for their lives from scary snakes like no one cares about you uh but anyway uh this is the day where like uh donna decided like she was gonna i don't know method act or something because she like turns it on for this scene and she grabs it's a true. handgun yeah. and she goes raging after them and she managed to shoot the gangster uh seth in the face the, yes. Not the money shot you were expecting from this movie. <laughs> and uh, but um, the uh, <laughs> the henches pull him in the car and drive off. And uh, this is, I think, this is like just to warn uh, people listening. Like uh, in this universe that Andy Sedaris has created, uh, bullets don't work the way you think they should. So just gonna <laughs> put that out there. Oh, neither do bazookas, but more on that later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't I don't have a lot of experience with bazookas, but as I understand it, they generally don't explode in identical ways no matter how you use them. You know, you can go to Cambodia and rent a bazooka and blow up a cow. Well, that's so that's sad. something that you could do. A friend of mine tried wow. to lure me to Cambodia Why where he was to, to do that, and I said, I don't want to blow up a cow, I want to eat the cow. Yeah, well, I, mean, I guess you could eat it afterwards. Not if you like, load it up with a bazooka. It probably tastes bad. Don't 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 listen to Hard Ticket to Hawaii. A bazooka it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't necessarily it doesn't have pinpoint accuracy, but I'll leave it at that. For, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it, they they do use the uh, bazooka for uh, closer than advisable combat in a lot of cases, but. We'll, it's we'll just, continue. It, it, it's a, in the hands of Andy Sedaris's pen. It is a very versatile weapon. Let's yeah, <laughs> right. wait for right. skateboarders and helicopters. Yeah, right. Yeah, and blow up dolls, uh, <clears throat> and just the heads of snakes. <laughs> so, since the girls like are outside, they just happen to hear the radio in the plane, and the warehouse foreman's like, uh, "You got the wrong snake," and uh, he tells them it's contaminated by cancerous rats. So, you know, don't touch it. Um, and then this is where I, I, I don't understand the motivation behind making it at like an extra dangerous poisonous snake instead of just a, it could just be a poisonous snake. That's fine. We can be freaked out about poisonous snakes though. They're it's fair to be freaked out about them, but it also has to have ingested cancerous rats and, and be contaminated with toxins. Of course it is. 
Well, but are, isn't there something about no snakes in Hawaii? They may yeah. mention that at the beginning. It's they the do first say snake that, on yeah, or something like that. So it's like a big deal that this first snake is contaminated with cancer. Yeah, and who knows what, what it was doing? In can we can we can I spoil where it ended up? Is that okay? Not yeah. no, it's not okay. We'll get there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I guess it's a, it's a it's a secret that it you know it may, it may have been breeding in an underground wet area. Right. It's not be- not between Don's thighs. No. <laughs> uh, he said wet area, not dry. Oh, sorry. Which, um, which brings us back to the uh, Quagmire bartender at Edie's, right? Oh, the bartender at Edie's. Oh, that guy. The host. I oh, you say. just blew it. I did. You just said that guy. The bartender at Edie's. Oh, well, I didn't. You just blew it. That's good. Because I was, I was actually referencing the host, not the bartender. The guy who, the guy who's always greeting everybody and then yeah. talking about going down on women, basically. Yeah, the smart yeah, man. Oh, yeah, right. that, yeah. Okay. All right. So I just got people mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I didn't blow anything, Darren. You just screwed that up for everybody. Yeah, else. but I need to be blown, so it's fine. It's gonna get blown one way or the other. <laughs> it was. It this was hard to get to Hawaii. I don't think I actually realized the truth about the bartender until it happened. You're joking. I, I, I don't know if I just was, like, I just decided to. When the bartender speaks, it's so clear that it's a transvestite. The 80s are I, so you know, confusing, though. <laughs> yeah, it was a confusing time. <laughs> it's like it's, yeah, everyone wears, just, like, six pounds of makeup. Yeah. <clears throat> but still, I mean, Dustin Hoffman, he is not. So. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie was very convincing. I did. I would have believed it if I didn't know. I think that was the guy from the pretty, the guy from the crying game. Now that's convincing. Oh yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. Or me. <laughs> Not right. You have you have a. Oh, people think I'm a woman. I've been confused you for a woman. Weird. Well, currently, but when I was in my twenties, people <laughs> thought I was a woman without me being in well, a dress. Up until a few days ago, you did have a Debbie Moore from Ghost haircut, so I can understand that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyhow. This is beyond. This is beyond the purview of our tickets to Hawaii. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, the girls are at Edie's because, uh, of course, Edie is an agent as well, and they give her a bit of a brief before she says, "Let's go call Rowdy in my office." And the bartender has been suspiciously watching all of this, uh, and we cut to another table where the strange sports sub B plot thing comes in, uh, where Jimmy John. Um, who is this like a uh, dense uh, white sportscaster, uh, not to be confused with the uh, subway or the sub franchise? Um, <laughs> Maybe he's the guy that goes on to create the sub franchise. <clears throat> yes, and shoot uh, rhinos. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so that's that's something you can blow up with the bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the best part of this scene is not Jimmy John talking about his multivitamins, but the two guys who are listening to him who are, like, less animated than the puppet snake. Yeah. Yeah. Are they real football players? I was wondering that, too. And then, like, when they get, like, one guy gets delivered, like, some kind of shake or malted or fancy island, like, smoothie, he's like, I love soul food. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I, the whole sports like caster thing, I just don't. There was such a long digression of him talking about the vitamins with no payoff. 
Yeah, I mean, it feels feels like this B plot is there because uh, Taryn needs a love interest. So, well, the payoff, I suppose, is that stunning beach love scene. Yes, but we'll get there. <clears throat> hopefully, uh, the bartender <laughs> attaches yeah, hopefully a device to her phone on the bar and listens to the conversation between uh, Edie and the girls and Rowdy um, and uh, Jade uh, and. Uh, then we cut to Seth's place briefly, and he's being treated. Apparently, the bullet only grazed his face. Um, and they get a call from Michelle at the bar, uh, who gives them the lowdown of what's happening. And uh, then the girls are about to leave Edie's, and uh, that's when Taryn spar- spots uh, Jimmy John. Uh, so she goes to see him, and... Then there's this, like, you know, it's the island. It's island time, so we don't really know if it's night or day, but apparently now it's night. I mean, they, they walk on the beach during the day, which, but I was, okay. Um, <clears throat> it's an alternate universe. Uh, and so they go for their walk, and then it's a love scene. Oh, it's so steamy. I mean, it's, it's just, like, it's one of the most sensuous love scenes I think ever put on film. <laughs> Those are big words. I know. I mean, hmm. does he? No, no, no. I feel like the high cut, like bikini speedos, are reserved for Rowdy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I believe Taryn. There's a lot of her topless and some like, and it's like the steamy, like more softcore version of the first theme song playing at this point. Is it like I feel like it was just sort of like run of the meal production, like romantic music saxophone yeah it's true but at least it's a saxophone which i think is a is a is a must for any sex scene true it's the instrument of love yes it yes is. <laughs> well you can play it in so many different ways um, rough soft smooth <laughs> all, the, all the ways of, of sex exactly yeah. plus right the comparison mm-hmm. plus like when you're fucking that's the sound that it makes the body bodies <laughs> <laughs> That's where I was. There's modeled after that. You don't know that? I do know that. Okay. <laughs> when, when Harry saxophone invented it, he could just have a particularly rowdy, so to speak. Yeah. When the, he was he was fucking his woman, and he's like, "This would this would be make beautiful music if only I could share it with the world." But you're living in a puritanical society, right. and you can't do that. Had to invent yeah. a brass instrument, which was really the right material. And today, now we have, you know, a lot of jazz musicians getting laid and getting a lot of STDs. Amen. Wow. I did not know that. I would have guessed if it was any instrument, it would be the theremin. I must be doing it wrong. That's for that's more of a masturbatory instrument, seeing as you it doesn't really, you know, exist fully. Right. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, the interview I saw with uh, Joe Bob Briggs and uh, Andy Sedaris, uh, apparently Joe Bob, Bob had interviewed many... Um, actresses from his film and uh he said he got in trouble once when he called it a sex scene and andy sedaris said oh no 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 we don't use that's like that's locker room talk like this is a love scene i thought that (laughs) i thought that was really magical um (laughs) so describe that any better so meanwhile uh let's see another snake is shown well, the snake is shown in the grass. I see I was making a play on the sex scene. 
<laughs> Way to read my notes. That's not accurate. Uh, so there's yeah the cutaway of the snake running around, so we know it's still loose. And then Taryn gets a call on her beeper <laughs> uh, in the morning, I guess, after their little uh, beach ex- escapade. Um, and uh, Donna's like, "What are you doing? Is this one of your lines that you had, Adam?" I don't think so, actually. All right, just checking. I, I stepped on your other one, so. No, 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 no! Please do. I yeah, I will keep going. I think there's there, there's actually something coming up, but it's not quite here. Okay, yeah, because uh, Donna wants to know what she's doing, and uh, it's a great piece of uh, dialogue um, because this is one of yours, Darren. <laughs> yeah. It uh, because Taryn says, "Oh, I'm just being a mere receptacle for Jimmy John's desires." Yeah. Oh my God, I missed that one. That should have been on my list. Taryn's got some singers. Yes. How did I miss that? I remember this. I mean, like the first 25 minutes of the movie, I will say that I was not particularly engaged in it. Maybe because half of it was a music video of planes. But after that, <laughs> I was all there. Um, I don't. I don't. I can't believe I missed that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. So, line again, I'm going to just write this down just so I. Like, I, these notes are not just for this show, but for my life. <laughs> for your next book. Yeah. Uh, so, we we cut to Rowdy and uh, Jade arriving by plane with the, these large trunks, um, and they get in a Jeep. Um, and they see Mr. Bad Pants uh, skateboarding down the road doing a handstand. Um, yeah. <laughs> and when uh, when he gets it's inconspicuous, yes. And when he gets past him, he gets into a, a small little uh, Subaru truck um, that Hervé Village has driving. Uh, and then they pass Rowdy and uh, jo- Joke. I really want to call him Joke, not Jade. Um, he has lots of one-liners. Uh, and uh, they pass him, and then they drive up further down the road, and then Hervé gives uh, the crazy pants guy a machine gun and a blow-up doll. <laughs> and he's, As you do. And he says, go kill him. So, yeah, obviously the blow-up doll is cover because bullets in this universe uh, react differently. So, <laughs> Right, right. So yeah, Jade is like pretty much shot right in the heart, but the bullets don't work, like I said, the right way. Um, and so uh, they're like, let's go get him. And they reverse into the skater, which uh, sends him and the blow-up doll flying into the air. Like, you know, like if you back into someone, they're going to go a good 300 feet in the air. Um, <laughs> uh, depending on the gravity of the Hawaiian island you're on. Um and so Rowdy then pulls out a bazooka and he shoots both the man and the blow-up doll. Well, what's great, though, is when he shoots the man, you don't see gore and body parts. It's sand. It's like a, it's like a giant <laughs> yes. man yeah. full of sand explodes. Uh, and I, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, Rowdy claims that he has no accuracy with a gun and the only thing he's accurate with is a bazooka, which is why he uses it all the time. And that is a repeating theme. Very, very repeated. It's a theme that I'm fine with the repetition. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I believe when the blow-up doll blows up, it's also kind of sandy. Yeah. And I 
I think it also um, it kind of relates to what we've already learned about him is that uh, you know he isn't good with something small. He's good with something very large, like his ginormous yes. penis. So, yeah, oh, right, yeah. Hence, he's yes. really good with a bazooka. Yeah. So, and then there's like a really great joke. There's a really great joke that I like. I was like, okay, that actually was pretty good. And, uh, you know, when we learn about how he can't shoot anything except with a bazooka, um, I think like then uh, Jade's like, Did it, so are we good? And he's like, well, I let the skateboard get away. And then they show the skateboard rolling down the hill. <laughs> Roll, oh, rolling away that. into the sunset. Yeah. 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 I didn't catch that the it's first time. In a scene. Neither did I. I actually think I only noticed it this. I think this was my fourth time watching, or maybe fifth time watching the movie. <laughs> um, only, only. This was this was the part where uh, my wife actually laughed out loud as we were <laughs> watching this movie. Um, when he pulls out the bazooka and uh, and shoots the guy, it was like the most. It was the most absurd combination of things happening at that point that she could not help but bust out, bust out into laughter. So it's stunning. Yeah. Yes. Um, It's really, it's a great uh, scene and I think it's on uh, YouTube and you should never watch it because you need to watch the whole film and it's uh, completeness. (laughs) Right. Um, I mean, I'm sad to say that I think on one of my own YouTube channels, I have three different sections of this movie of like highlights. Really? <laughs> yeah, I have one that's just the bazooka montage of all the various things it can destroy and how it destroys it, which is like the exact same adjustable and, adjustable explosion bazooka. Yes, exactly. It's like I just I don't understand. It has the pinpoint accuracy. It like it can destroy a helicopter outright, just yeah. blow up a man, just blow up a doll, but also has the pinpoint accuracy to only destroy the head of a well, snake. The crazy yeah. thing is when it, it well, yeah, well, that, I mean, like that's exactly the point because when it blows up the helicopter. No more helicopter. It's oh, just gone. Or I forgot. It must just push a man through a wall without exploding it. Yeah. Yeah. It's too, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it, yeah, it's kind of like they decide what they wanted it to do because it, it can completely obliterate a helicopter. No, not even like no debris, <laughs> no, no trace, dust, no trace of it ever. But if you blow up, but it, you know, like if you want to, it's kind of like a, a magical eraser where you say, please delete this thing from the world because when it blows up the skateboarder, mm-hmm. you, the skateboard's fine. Yeah, because that's entertaining. Yeah. Well. And, and just to be clear, zero problem with any of this. It's wonderful and should have been this way. All movies should be like this. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, <laughs> I feel like uh, I, I, um, I feel like there's a scientific explanation, and that's the fact that, um, as we've discussed already, this isn't a normal bazooka, but we haven't really mentioned that uh, it's not normal because it has – not one, but four chambers. So perhaps each one of those chambers contains like a different sized explosion. Now, it's like Batman's utility belt. There's just multiple, the missile, or, or a, better, a better one would be, say, Hawkeye or Green Arrow's uh, quiver of trick arrows. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I think that's more accurate. So it's his trick bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> they were staying outside of the Marvel Universe. Huh? Then you wanted to stay outside. I did. I, I brought in DC. Thank oh, you very much. Oh, I thought Hawkeye was... How many arrow... Green arrow as DC. Or <laughs> yeah. arrow. 
Yeah, Arrow is DC, but Hawkeye is Marvel, right? Yeah, but I yes, can both. Oh, get with the programming. This is too much arrowing. I know. Um, so, where were we with Hearts to Get to Hawaii? The uh, the Honeymooners oh, yeah, are uh, taking risque uh, Polaroids, um, and they are attacked right. by the snake. Which has covered an awful lot of ground, considering that it took a plane to get the Honeymooners to where they are. <laughs> yeah, but True. that's... An eight- but it's also it's like- not a plot hole. I'm just saying... That snake is fast. I think this supports Darren's theory that the snake <laughs> is really, really fast because it's just bolting across islands. Have you eaten cancerous rats? Though you'd probably be pretty fast too. You got you only got so long to live. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's only got thirty six hours to live, so he's got to see Hawaii. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Yeah, true. Boy, does he? Good point. Wow. Can we please have that as the sequel? Like the snake has thirty six hours to live. It's like Crank, but it's just like with an animatronic snake. <laughs> I think you're being generous with the animatronic part. That is a cancer show I would watch. Cancer, not a great entertainer, but in a snake, I could do it. Yep. I wish all. I kind of wish all snakes did have cancer because then they'd all die. I don't like snakes either. You don't now. Now the entire snake community is going to be like, "How dare you?" I, th- I think it's interesting that they have an island that is free of snakes, and they've decided to introduce snakes to the island even though it's you know really just for this like wildlife preserve place or wherever that they're gonna that they're gonna keep it but still it's like why are you introducing an invasive species but i guess we have zoos whatever no no right it was going to like there was a a snake that was supposedly going to the wildlife preserve that the girls didn't pick up right they picked up this one which was headed to a lab presumably on the island because if it got out and contaminated the island you just screwed up an island and not like a whole continent right (laughs) it was the 80s you would just nuke the island at that point (laughs) right exactly exactly (laughs) Uh, so speaking of, so do we get to the A team van at this point? Oh, I wish. Uh, we the speaking of the uh, big snakes, Rowdy and Jake are now at the hospital, but they're all okay. Um, and then Rowdy basically calls Edie and tells her, "Oh yeah, you're right. What happened?" And so she's off to pick them up, but the bartender heard it all. So. Uh, so Edie has to go in her office and get topless because it's been so many minutes um, and uh, change into her <laughs> non-work clothes uh, to go get the guys. And Michelle, the bartender, calls the crew to inform them to come get her. And uh, apparently, I I believe, I'm just guessing because like her name is used later, but I believe this waitress that comes in uh, while Michelle, the bartender, is in the change room, his name is Patty Cakes. Uh, and she inter- interrupts briefly to give us uh, more topless scenes um, before the big, um, you know, what what do I want to say? The big thing happens where Michelle removes the wig and makeup and becomes Michael. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's like my favorite part. It's like, oh, Michelle, Michael, Michael, Michelle. It makes sense now. Before, I was a little bit like, this. that can't be. That can't really be a man. But now I get it because you've made the connection of the names. <laughs> yeah. So uh, That's how you do it. So, yeah, they run Edie off the road in the A-team van, as Paul said, to, to uh, kidnap her. 
Um, and we cut to Taryn and Donna, who are spying on Seth's mansion. And this is probably another scene where I'm assuming Darren may have been salivating because uh, I think uh, Taryn has a yellow Sony Handycam <laughs> Sports Edition. Oh, my God. You have no idea. I, I That is my – I want that camera so bad. <laughs> this face, like, what are they talking about? I know. As, as soon as he heard it, it changed. Because I used to have a Sony Walkman that looked exactly like So that. did I. It just didn't have a camera. Yeah, yeah. It's like I just feel like I love Sony's design aesthetic from that time period. Apple should really – could learn a thing or two. So, Sony, that was that was the era of Sony. They, they were killing it then. Yeah, they were. Uh, but what, what's astounding to me about this handy cam is that it has a longer range view than binoculars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And I love how when they're reviewing the footage later on, it's it's like, oh, that camera could have been 10 feet away from that guy. That's amazing. And there's no shake whatsoever. No, it's their their uh, steady cam technology was really stellar. Yeah. You know, I got to say, and I hate to bring up a film criticism or whatever you want to call this cliche, but it's yeah, it, when it comes to setting up rules of the world, there are a few movies or, or TV shows or anything, really, stories of any kind that do that well. And a lot of a lot of films, you know, try to be fairly realistic, but throw in stuff like this camera where you yeah. can zoom into yeah. infinity. And then you watch them and you're like, well, that's so stupid. But in a movie like this, it accepts what it is. It establishes yes. what it is. It's and true. so when it does stuff like this, you can appreciate it and not get mad at it. Well, but also the aesthetics are so mm-hmm. stunning. That, yeah. Like, that, how the, not only that camera, but what Taryn and Donna are wearing. I mean, the, the, the costuming in this film is like beyond – It's it's – a triumph. That's all I can say. It's yeah. Just... No, they the, it, even uh, I even like the um, what are they called? The leggings that they put on their heads when they're the, yeah, the stockings. Everything. Yeah, those are because they're so terrible. They're just really. Darren is drawing a vagina right now. I just wanted to. I <laughs> I'm not. I, I haven't got to go to. Oh wow. Wow, hey, I could send that in for the show notes. Uh, I'll just post a blurry photo of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a photo right now. Yeah, well, it's, it's just, I think of Hard to Get to Hawaii. I feel like it's appropriate doodle material. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what happens What happens next in the film? <laughs> um, oh, I was going to say something when you said the costuming. I am, I forget. That's too bad. Anyway. I don't get to explore that ta- uh, tangent. Um, yes, so I feel I feel like um, uh, Frisbee and Shades here should have their own spinoff series of some kind. I mean, unfortunately, Shades is going to bite it later in the movie, but I think there could be some kind of a prequel that tells their whole story. Because oh, with that with the woman, yeah, with the, oh, yeah, she's so good. Her her well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but her like. Her line when oh, Rowdy yeah. tells her to beat it, like just the tone of her voice is unbeatable. Yeah, yeah. She might actually be the best actress in this entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think Donna, I don't know how she didn't blow up, you know, in a mainstream sense. I think she had chops. I will give you that. Thank you. I, 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 I'm talking about her like she's dead. I think she's probably still alive. <laughs> <laughs> There's a chance. I'm sure she's unemployed. I should book her for my next. It project. turns out she's the Dame Judy Dench. Uh, <laughs> oh wow, that would really, really just open up a whole new level of Judy Dench. For sure me. would. 
Um, yeah, the girls, when they're spying, they spot shades and this uh, girl playing Frisbee. That's important for later. And then they also spot Edie being delivered to Seth. And uh, mm-hmm. w- and then another part, which I really feel is unnecessary, but I'm not an auteur. I'm just some guy with a podcast. So, uh, <laughs> um, so another thing is like... Uh, Donna is like, boy, that guy looks familiar when she sees Michael. Um, and I'm like, we don't need to know this because we've <laughs> already seen him change out. Like, uh, So Rowdy and uh, Jay decide uh, something happened, so they need to hitch a ride to yep. Edie's. And uh, Donna and Taryn race to like a house anywhere to use a phone because this is pre-cell phone. Um, and so they end up at a place where some sumos are training. And uh, there's some ridiculous uh, comedy here. And, yeah, it's uh, all in good fun. Oh, the shot, the shot, the shot choice, the the mise-en-scene, if you will, is really, like, (laughs) impressive. Like, how they're, like, shot through the, like, sumos pounding their flesh together. And and the light at the end of the tunnel is is the, like, slender, supple flesh of Donna and Taryn in their, like, amazing costumes on a payphone. Like, it's just so good. It's Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's. I agree. Like the juxtaposition is amazing. Um, it might be confusing to say a fourteen-year-old boy watching this at one a.m., but otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe not. Uh, so uh, they decide they need to go from the sumo place to pick up the honeymooners, and then they. <laughs> it's an awesome like jump cut to them screaming uh, when they see. Well, that's actually. It's my favorite scene of the movie, uh, actually, because the when they see that like the dead bodies eaten by the snake and that zoom, and then Donna like, oh, oh Taryn, she's all torn up. The yeah. way she says up is yeah, like I was waiting for you to get to that. That point. delivery is like, and I've, I've specifically watched that line delivery like a hundred times because <laughs> there's like this little like <laughs> that she does with her voice in between. Yeah. It's just yeah. so good. It's so good. <laughs> As you can tell, it's I'm fond of it. <laughs> you better mention it on Supercharged today. All torn up. <laughs> now whenever I'm writing a script and someone says something, something up, I always put up in all caps and italics just so if somebody's reading it, they can, <laughs> they can deliver it that way. It's, uh, it's yeah, up yeah, speak? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, and of course, they figure out what, like we know what happened, but uh, of course, they weren't there. We, you forget about the dynamics of the awesome storytelling. Um, so they don't know what happened until they find like uh, a Polaroid picture in the man's hand, and it was the last moments of his life, which was the snake coming at him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we cut to Edie's, where uh, Jimmy John is doing some sort of interview. Uh, about racism and sexism with some footballers. <laughs> and uh, our dude bro heroes arrive and take uh, the host guy, the slick-talking host guy that uh, Paul really enjoys, Quagmire. They take his car yep. so they can go see the girls. And then um, we cut to both the guys and the girls loading guns. And uh, also to some kind of uh, colonial war music. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I have that. Somewhere. There's like a snare drum, like, yeah, yeah, the uh, token getting ready for uh, battle music. Um, 
So, uh, and I, I love the, uh, I love that they show the frisbee as well. <laughs> oh yeah, that they've modified. Are we at the frisbee? No. Yeah, I, this is. They're it, not had, using it yet. They're just prepping okay. it. This is the one scene I had actually seen from this movie in the past. I had no idea it was from this movie, and when it came <laughs> up, I was like, it was, it was a, mo- it was a very important moment for me. I, the thing is, the frisbee gets all the attention, but like. No, there are better parts of the movie. It was just, it was like, it, it, it just having context for something you've seen so many times. True, mm-hmm. true. It, it, yeah. was, it was uh, formative. Yes. Yeah, I completely understand that with the internet and how so many things are just clips now. Yeah. Um, the uh, Also, at this point, like somewhere in between all of this, we get to see the snake entering the open septic tank. He's come back from the beach just as fast as the mm-hmm. girls are. Yay. So he's super fast. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, meanwhile at Sess, uh, during the gun loading scene, we, we get to see Edie is tied up and she won't talk. And, uh, and at some point here, like we cut back to Donna and she's like, let me show you the footage we shot of the mansion today. And Rowdy's like, yeah, I'll take a look. Um, which is all just foreplay for another love scene. Um, and, and I, I have to say this love scene culminates in my other favorite scene of the movie, which first of all, the, their body positions during the love scene, it's just like, it's out of control because there is no way penetration is happening. She is like, her torso is between his legs. Like I don't <laughs> right. know yeah. where he's putting this giant cock, but it's not in her. <laughs> and then once they're done, like that, just, she looked that that look in her, in his eye, you know, and she says, what do you feel? Which eye? Both eyes, shut <laughs> up. And then, and then he says, one man's dream is another man's lunch. And then that, like, wry, coy look on her face when she says, you son of a bitch. Like, that's a master class in, in acting to yeah. me. <laughs> it's so good. I've also watched that part, like, a hundred times. Mm-hmm. So. See, I... I think I missed a lot of what you're saying. I need to watch it again because I was still stuck at the point where, like, in the foreplay, he, you know, she says something to him and he's like, no, I'm going to suck the polish off your toes. Yes, that's oh, one of yes. my... No, 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 I have that written down. Hold on, hold on. That's a, yeah, that's another Okay, it is... It, where is this on the, on the... Oh, I don't want to control your life. All I want to do is suck the polish right off your toes. <laughs> See, that one lands for me, too. I feel like that's a perfectly fine lovemaking non sequitur. Mm. But it, it really catches you. Like, if you're not, you're, if you're not ready mm-hmm. for it, you're just blown It's away. visceral. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is. It's a visceral film. You really, and you really understand a lot about the character at that point. Yeah. Yes. And after that line, like, we don't get right to the lovemaking, they cut to uh, Jake, who does, like, the, like, you get that awesome line, and then Mr., like, kickboxer acting school uh, does, like, a Bond impression um and tries to oh, impress yeah. Karen. I guess maybe you know, uh, uh I need to be more positive as I've learned in other podcasts we've done and Darren has pointed out uh, that this is a different uh, kind of a style of film. So um maybe he's not doing a Bond <laughs> impression but a bit. he's doing his own thing. So she's definitely Jade is definitely marching to the beat of his own drummer. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh so then uh, we get to see Rosie the henchwoman working out with her nunchucks in a bikini, right? I like to think of it as like a moment of calm, as a moment of zen. 
Yeah, she's more doing like uh, Tai Chi. It's like you get to see rippling lady muscles with beautiful like pinkish lighting. She's got like a bindi on her forehead. She's very serious. She's very intense. Mm. And uh, just God bless her. We need more female bodybuilders in this world, especially in film. I did, I'm sad China's not really doing as much. China, don't even, it's a big disappointment to me. Yeah, she just really blew her options. Yep. How many steroids do you think she took? Two. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bizarrely specific quantity. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes that's all it takes, depending on your, on, on your, on your genetics, you know? One of us always knows the answer to anything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so Seth, Seth tells, uh, Rosie to, uh, make Edie talk. And then he goes to take a call with his boss, uh, Mr. Chang. And, uh, uh yeah, he's- there's an awesome audio match, uh, between, uh, Edie screaming in pain to Rowdy grunting in pleasure as we get back to the lovemaking scene. <laughs> um, oh, the dubbing in this film was phenomenal. It's so great. Yeah, the uh, the British guy is none too happy with the fact that there are quote unquote agents everywhere, and he tells Seth to kill them all. Um, and so we cut to more like let's get our guns uh, together, and um, Rowdy then crafts that frisbee lined with razor blades because he uh, you know all the James Bond uh, references. So now he's going to be sort of like odd job, except he's not going to wear a frisbee on his head. Um, and, uh, Rowdy shows up on the beach the next day by the mansion, by a surfboard, of course. Uh, and, uh, he tosses the Frisbee with the girl, uh, a little bit. And, uh, Shades is like, Hey, who's this guy? Get out of here. We need to stop and pause for a minute to discuss what he's wearing because he is just wearing a red Hawaiian shirt that's mostly open with this like the skimpiest, highest cut like Euro bikini Speedo I've ever seen in my life. It's it's really a look like it's a look. Yeah, it needed to be highlighted. It needed to. What's great is like he. Like they they did it. I mean they they showed us too because uh, they obviously have someone on the film making sure that uh, there's continuity. So his surfboard did have like a plastic bag like taped to it, so that we know he's got a bunch of supplies with him. But yeah, I think he has at least one or two costume changes here too. <laughs> so that's yeah, he does. That's awesome. Yeah, because yeah, he's got the yeah. Yeah, so the girl's like, oh, no, this, you know, this this new guy, he's a good thrower. And then, you know, that kind of sets shade off, uh, Shades off, who has a, an Uzi, but he decides to set it down because, you know, now they're going to have, like, basically a dick measuring contest who can throw better. Um, and so, yeah, they throw for a while before Rowdy pulls the switcheroo with his awesome Frisbee uh, of razor blades. <laughs> and... Oh, it's so good. And then he just throws it into the air, slices those fingers right into the aorta, and goodbye, Shades. <laughs> yes, I... It's, a, it's really the most famous moment in this movie. But then the slow-mo, when Roddy pulls back and, like, pumps his fist, like, really, like, but very, like, sort of subdued. It's really a, a stunning moment. I would agree. I would agree. I think, um... 
I can't remember. Uh, I when I listened to the interview with Arlene, um, I I know she said like you know these movies were produced for like immediate release like on video or to cable channels, and that's the market they wanted. But apparently, at some point, the deal they had made with distribution said they had to have a theatrical release, and so um, she said like it wasn't. I don't think. I think she said there was something to do with this scene. Like they took a lot of flack before and Andy stood behind it and was like, no, it's got to be there. It's fine. Um, But then the scene where like the bazooka back when it blew up the blow up doll, she said like they said that was too violent. And she was like, it's a doll for crying out (laughs) loud. Wow. Wow. Just typical of the uh, MPA. Yes. Yep. So, yeah. So. Jade and Taryn show up in the Jeep, and Donna is flying an ultralight, of course. And uh, so uh, this uh, right now, like, when they arrive, because he calls them on a walkie-talkie to tell them, like, the beach is clear. Then he does, like, some kind of costume change. Um, (laughs) And so uh, Donna takes a bunch of grenades, and she drops them all around the mansion, which seemingly only gets the attention of one guy. (laughs) Um, and Rowdy, of course, uh, I learned thanks to Jade later on, misses him six times with a gun, uh, because he's terrible shot. And then Jake just turns around and shoots the one guy. Um, and then it just becomes sort of a mono mono situation with all of our favorite characters. So Taryn takes on Michelle slash Michael, um, and uh, Jake does some karate with uh, a guy who breaks his beads, unfortunately. Um, and <laughs> and Rowdy is, uh, he found Edie, but there's a guy hiding in there as well. So, so yeah, the awesome fight scene uh, with Jake uh, doing his karate is uh, pretty great. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, when they cut away to Rowdy, who found Edie, when they cut back, now the bad guy has a knife. But uh, Jake has some, I believe they're called Shuko, or the hand claws <laughs> on his hands. Yes. A-, a hallmark of any martial artist. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, he pretty much wins in a very awesome way. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of, like, the token... Oh, doesn't he have the great capper line of, like, and now you're dead? Or something like yes. that? Yes. Actually, he begins the fight, like, which I thought was funny, but he is, like... Doesn't he say, uh, life's a bitch and then you die? Yes, And yes. then they fight and then he repeats, and then you die he, after yes. he kills him. Yeah. It's so good and awkward. It's just, like, it's a, <laughs> mas- it's a master class of directing actors and... Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so Jake, uh, he, I, I was just gonna say, I also like that. Uh, I feel like it's entirely consistent within this film that once our heroes have decided that the bad guys are bad guys, they are going to hunt them with the most bloodthirsty of weapons weaponry possible. There's no holding back. There's no like giving anybody a quick clean death. They're just gonna go in and fuck some shit up. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna destroy. <laughs> um, yeah, Rowdy. Like to your point, uh, figures out like that the guy who is guarding Edie is like hiding behind like 
some sort of room divider or a wall, and so he blows him away with the bazooka. <laughs> um, and uh, Jake, uh, when he walks in, he thinks it's kind of kinky that Edie's tied up and makes some jokes. Um, meanwhile, Hervé, uh, Villachez, and Rosie, the bodybuilder, are getting away in the chopper. Where Aaron or where Taryn and Donna are sort of pinned by, pinned down by the gunfire, um, but that's okay because Rowdy then shows up and he hands Donna the bazooka, and so as we've discussed earlier, uh, yeah, the chopper is gone because bye bye bad guys thanks to the bazooka. <laughs> it was set on the helicopter setting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he pulled out his uh, helicopter rocket, but I think at this point hadn't he already pushed somebody through the wall too uh, on their on their assault on the mansion? Maybe that's what he does with the bazooka. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 fires into the guy, and the impact doesn't blow him up like it did the previous human being into right. sand. Right. It just the force sends him through the the wood wall. I just yeah, it was I. As I was just looking at that, yeah. I, Go ahead. I, I do feel like there's a uh, there's a lever somewhere on this on the bazooka that he's adjusting. That's just like increasing or decreasing the amount of percussive force it's going to deliver. It's it's like a Star Trek. Phaser. I don't think that's how a bazooka works. I I agree. I agree. But in the context of this movie, I think we have some kind of uh, you know more more advanced bazooka. We don't yeah. really know. I don't think we really know what section of the government these people really work for, uh, and we're going to find that out later on. And that's why they have, uh, you know, these crazy uh, Bond-like weapons like uh, adjustable bazookas and uh, razor frisbees. Right. There's a there's some comments uh, about uh, seeing the wires holding the helicopter and the blow-up doll and <laughs> things like that in IMDb, and I was like. They are truly not immersed in the cinematic masterpiece <laughs> if they're trying to spot those kinds of things. I I actually was tempted to go back because, as Darren mentioned, um, the costumer on this film was tremendously talented. And so I was kind of curious if there is like a sand-filled dummy that explodes when the skateboarder is shot. Like, did they were they able to find two pairs of those bizarre pants to put on the dummy and one right. for the actor. And I was like, you know what? I don't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a rabbit hole. The farther down you go, the harder it is to pick yourself up. It breaks it. the magic, right? So, yeah. So, yeah. So Donna's like, uh, I'll see you guys back at the house. And uh, she goes to her ultralight. Meanwhile, their Jeep has been shot up. So the rest of them say, well, let's steal the bad guy's A-team van, the kidnapper van, and go home. And as they recap their exploits in the van, like who they shot and uh, how cool it was, uh, Edie's like, so which one of you guys got Seth? And they're all like, oops. Um, so then we cut to sunset. Um, and Donna is at home cleaning herself up, uh, and Seth attacks her. And so she locks herself in a closet, one of those with like the Venetian blind sort of wood slats on it. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite parts is that like, uh, Seth takes like his knife that he's attacking her with and like kind of like 
pokes those slats out instead of just maybe using his. Yeah, he starts trying to chop them <laughs> yeah, apart. Instead yeah. of use, like using his whole body to like break them really quickly. <laughs> um, but you know this is awesome because it gives uh, her time to load a harpoon gun um, in the closet, like we all have. Um, <laughs> and so, well, Hawaii is is a is a true frontier. You need to have these weapons. This scene though was so. It, I, I I think I was probably the most engaged at this point in the movie, just out of fear because because it was at the somehow it was just like it was so easy for that guy to get in the door, but then he didn't. He just he had to take out every little um, every little slat on the door <laughs> yeah, before yeah. rather than just reaching in and opening it. it it's like yeah. until that whole thing was destroyed, it wasn't worth it, and it gave her plenty of time to load the harpoon gun. But still, by the magic of cinema, I was I was still scared for her life, even though it was obvious he would not stop poking at that door until she shot him. Yeah, I don't know why I'm easily manipulated. Yep. This is a tense scene for sure because uh, it, it you don't want to fall for it because it has all these sort of fake endings that like are very much a trope in films. Yeah. But man, you're just <laughs> on the edge of your seat for sure. I mean, I like to think of it maybe as Seth is a little bit OCD. Like, so maybe he has to get every one of those slats out of the way before he can truly attack her. Um, yeah. So that would be me. Uh, yeah. That's good head <laughs> canon to explain it. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it's all over now because she shot him with the harpoon and he fell to the floor. Um, so, I mean, once you've experienced a, a trauma like that, uh, you can't really judge her until it's happened to you. But uh, once you get through with a stressful experience like that, you sh- you typically will go to the freezer so that you can cool your cleavage off with ice. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> meanwhile... <laughs> Meanwhile, we see Seth get up in the mirror with, like, uh, you know, that's some real good, like, cinematography there, shooting through the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he comes around the corner, and they fight again, but uh, she uh, she sort of turns his knife hand back around on him. Unfortunately, that means she cuts her hand, but... Uh, oh, the, I hate when they do that in movies at, at every time I feel it. Yeah, but this one is particularly quite quite graphic. Yeah, she, like, yeah she, it is. Yeah. It is, yeah, it's very graphic, and I, I'm totally with you. It was very hard for me. Uh, so she she runs to the bathroom after she turns the knife on him and kind of closes the door, and then she starts using some toilet paper to uh, tend to her cut on her hand. And then, yeah, this is the big reveal, because uh, up through the toilet comes not only fog from a fog machine and light, but the giant snake. <laughs> and he shoots straight oh, out of there. Yeah. The the toilet but literally the explodes. Emerges, though, it's like it explodes out of the toilet with, with smoke and color. And it, I mean, it is the most probably artistic moment in this film. <laughs> yep. It yeah. was. I actually rewound it three times just to watch it come out of the toilet again because it was so it was so beautiful. Really, really, honestly, like it was not just in a bad way, but it was. All, I, I thought I thought it was lovely. It turns out uh, if you have the uh, Giphy thing turned on in Slack, if you do Giphy hard <laughs> ticket to Hawaii, this is the gif that you get is the gif of this entire scene. Ooh, a gif and a gift. It's an amazing. It's yeah. A, it's an amazing gif. It's an amazing scene. This really puts a capper it, on it, I think. Then it continues because Rowdy busts through the, the, the door, the busts through the wall on his motorcycle. Yes. Yeah. 
I love wait, how he so, rides out of the van uh, uh, on his motorcycle, which I didn't uh, even know the motorcycle was in the van, but it's brilliant. It makes sense. Oh. I keep a motorcycle in my A-Team van. No, yeah. it was there when she got kidnapped because I was like, oh, motorcycle, that's going to come into play later. <laughs> Um, they didn't. They didn't have to set up an entire B plot story to explain how the motorcycle <laughs> got into the van. This is one of the areas where they've decided to use subtlety. I, I see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Before Rowdy breaks through the wall, though, she shoots the snake like twice in the mouth. But damn, this universe and bullets. So so yeah. So Rowdy drives through the wall, and of course. Uh, shoots the snake with a bazooka and it just blows off its head as someone alluded to earlier yeah yeah it's just it's it's just so accurate yes he's very accurate with that thing um and so now we cut to a limo because it's party time uh and so there's jimmy john and taryn and edie and jade and donna and rowdy and Oh, wait, it's not time for partying because we still have to get Mr. Chang. Um, oh, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they well, do. I have a line. For, I have one last line. So when we get into that room, give me a minute. So <laughs> so uh, both of them, like, uh, basically everyone's like, let's go get him. And I think Rowdy's like, no, me and Donna got this or something. And so they all wait by the car <laughs> and they go up and they attack this uh, giant bodyguard mountain of a man and uh and then chang grabs a sword and uh rowdy and donna pull out guns and is this the line you you want adam this is like it's not like a great line but it's just this there's something special about the fact that they decided to put this in here because i don't understand it they they um I can't remember if it's Rowdy or who says, but, well, Mr. Chang, I'd say it's over. And then he says, in a pig's ass. <laughs> and then they like, in a pig's oh, yeah. ass? And then, and then she's like, yeah. No, he said, did you say a pig's ass? Because he's making fun of the accent. Oh, he did? Oh, I yes. guess that. It's even worse wow. than what you imagine. Oh, he, I don't think he's very good at that accent. <laughs> but then while they're having that whole conversation, doesn't a, a, a Chang, like, manipulate the sword so it's between his thumb and mm-hmm. forefinger. Yeah, he's, he must be doing something because he sure sits there just waiting for them to finish his line. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and then when they pull out their guns, like, Donna has some giant, like, three fifty seven Magnum that, like, makes, they do, like, a <laughs> shot, like, down the barrel and, like, seeing Rowdy's face as he turns to look at it, like, holy crap. Um and uh, and then Rowdy has like she the- can also handle a big weapon. That's all they're saying. <laughs> oh, Rowdy knows how to handle a big snake, and she knows how to handle a big weapon. Um, so yeah, and then Rowdy also says like his great line: uh, "You can't bring a knife to a gunfight, Mister Chang, or something like that." That's the one yeah. I was like, "That's kind of ridiculous." Uh so yeah, as you guys were saying, he positions the uh, the sword in some way so that he can throw it at them. And when he does, Donna shoots him, uh, and Mister Chang sort of flies out the falls out the penthouse window and to the ground in front of the others. <laughs> yep. And that's and that's those are the sort of actions in this movie that I feel like uh, help counter the sexism in it. Because first of all, the movie it's like 
it's, it's almost making fun of sexist movies. I don't think it actually is, but it feels that way. Mm-hmm. But there's so many there's so many films now that have a lot of a lot of sexism underlying them, and it's never addressed. But I, I appreciate this sort of thing where it's blatant, but at the same time, it's you know it feels like an appreciation for femininity more than it feels like sexism to me. I don't know why that is, and I may not not be the right person to say that, but. Um, but I like I would I take I take this over over uh, today's sexism any day. Yeah, I think it's I think it has uh, because the film itself is so farcical. Um, you you don't take any of those parts of it seriously. So these women are simultaneously um, sex objects and empowered, and they mm-hmm. can fight. They're like sexy ninjas sometimes, and. Um, they can do anything they want, and yet at the same time, when they co- when they come across these uh, these torn up bodies, they freak out like you imagine you know <laughs> women would, right? So it's like they're they're filling the stereotype, and yet they you know they're the women that get to have it all. Yeah, it it, it feels it feels honest in a way, as you know as unreal as the movie is because they're, because they can kind of, they're not, they're not bound by any stereotypes. They enjoy them and they defy them. Like you were saying, and it's, uh, it, I, I like, I like that. And I wish more movies did it that way because it, because you can have your cake and eat it too. in that, in that situation, and the men, like they, the men are the same way. They're treated exactly the same way. The other thing that's kind of interesting about this that's maybe different than uh, than a modern Hollywood movie is the love interests are basically all already set up. Even at the very beginning of the movie, all of the people who hook up with each other throughout the course of the movie already know know each other and have a relationship, more or less. It's not like um, they're chasing each other over the course of the movie. It's not like anybody's playing coy or anything like that. It just, like... This is just uh, a couple days in these people's lives. Uh, it's nice to see that. It's nice to have that difference in the way that well, yeah. romance works in a film. It doesn't always have to be about the romance happening. It can actually. I mean, this is not certainly not like a, a template for a romantic comedy or anything. <laughs> but it's still nice. It's really it, it, it's nice to have something else focused on. And boy, is there a lot going on. Well, in the film. it allows you to focus on what's really important. Mm-hmm. And that is the snake and uh, contaminated snakes and the drugs, and the drugs, varying bazookas, the, um, the, the stunning costuming, mm-hmm. uh, like yep. the soundtrack, mm-hmm. the bookended uh, credit sequences. Uh, it's just so good. And you know what? You might have to stand guard on a beach and it's a boring job, but play some Frisbee and enjoy life. Damn it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's there's the so, message. There's so many, so many good things to take away from this. I mean, I feel like I'm smarter now. Good. <laughs> I think we all learned something. I have no idea what, but I think we all took something from this. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it, except they go, now it's really party time at the Malibu Express, and uh, Donna wants to go back and find the diamonds, but Taryn's like, hey, you wait, you guys are all agents. I'm just a civilian, so if I find the diamonds, I can keep them. You guys yes. have to turn them in. And... So, that is how the law works. <laughs> <laughs> so they essentially agree that they're going to just allow her to keep the diamonds and they'll look the other way, which is what I would do. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. And she even says that she's going to split the, uh, you know, split the value of the diamonds with them. 
which right. is what you know which is nice of her and i'm sure in no way incriminates them yeah no way there's no there's no link there's no way that could be traced right uh. <laughs> so so uh I mean, we should start with Darren because, uh, well, it might be controversial, but uh, we usually like to figure out, like, is a movie, like, so bad it's good or is it just plain bad? Uh, So what's your take on this, Darren? This movie is beyond so bad it's good. I actually think it's just good because everything is wrong about it, but it's so right. I it's because for me with 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 seeking out bad bad films, like more often than not, it's a letdown because there's usually one or two standout scenes, and then the rest is just boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this movie, I feel like it's just scene after scene, it's hit after hit. It's like a greatest hits of bad movies. So therefore my, my final uh, analysis is that it is so bad. It is good. I have, I have to agree with that. I mean, I, I, like, I can't, I can't see it any other way. It, you know, some, there are some films that are so bad. They're good uh, by accident. And I think we all could, you know, we should, I, I think we all could think of quite a few of those, but when someone tries to do it intentionally, it's, it's a hard thing to pull off. I've seen a lot of films that tried to do that and just failed miserably. And this one, it's like it's, it's kind of the epitome of that. It really made an effort and succeeded in what it was doing. And no matter what kind of film you're watching, whether it's good or bad, I think that if you can set forth to accomplish something and do so so spectacularly, uh, you you know it, it doesn't matter if it's if it's supposed to be good, bad, or just good. It's you know, you, you, you made the film you intended to make and people uh, will see that. And I think Darren and I both took that away. No, that's a That's a great point. Like this is an independent film. And so Andy Sedaris made the film that he wanted to without outside influence. And it was his vision and that's what he wanted to do. And that's what makes it so bad. It's good. Where, like you said, those movies that intentionally try to go for it. My example I always go to is like, there's a musical out there that I just did not like, but it's called Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, and they were going for the camp. And so, like, if that's your end result, like, we want to make something campy, like, you're you're not making, you're just, you're trying to please, like, an audience that you think is out there instead of, like, making your vision, making your film and what you want to do. So well, I would agree. To that end, I would, I would add that the, what, what the people who try and do that, like it's, they, they miss the tone completely. Like I feel like in order to purposefully make a, a, a bad movie good, you have to like trick your brain into thinking you're actually making something really good and earnest because it's that earnestness and, and, and how spectacularly it fails that I think is what makes it shine like the, like the star that, that it, it is. That's fair. Yeah, I like that. What about, what about you, Paul? Where are you in the spectrum? Oh, I uh, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I think this is uh, actually the best film that we've watched for Film Frown in uh, in quite a while. Um, I don't job, know. Aaron. I don't know if for me it it goes beyond the level of Zardoz, which I think would be probably our like number one. So bad it's good, but because of the um, <laughs> to your point, the whole idea that. It is what it set out to be. It wasn't trying to be anything more than what was actually produced. And uh, it achieves everything that uh, that it tries to achieve. And it's very entertaining. It's actually 
paced really well, which is the thing that we always hit with these movies is like, just like you said, there's one or two standout scenes and then the rest of it is like just plodding along plot showing us stuff we don't need to see. This movie had stuff where they were showing you things that they you didn't need to see. There were lots of B plots yeah. all over the place that you but they were still entertaining enough and they moved along quick enough that you were like, "Why did I just that was weird?" And then you just have to get you just have to stay in tune with the movie. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, so uh so yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say that uh, we can skip uh, recommendations because our show is probably going longer than the actual movie we watched. <laughs> I, I, I can. I'm looking at our Skype timer. Yes. Minus the six minutes we talked before we went live is definitely longer. Yeah, you know what? You asked us on the show, so that's what happened. Shame on you. No, it, it happens to us as well. So um, it does. It does. It happens. Probably more often than it should, actually. Yeah, we try to we seriously we try to keep the show to an hour, and it and it never works out that way. But, but that's you okay. Kept it to an hour twice. Yes. <laughs> we Two can parter. We can part split it up. To yeah. <laughs> Create the drama. <laughs> what will happen next week? Maybe Aaron, uh, maybe Darren and Adam won't uh, won't return in the second episode. Um, <laughs> I like how I combined your two names together. Anyway, uh, yes, thanks to everyone. <laughs> Aaron and Dam. <laughs> thanks to uh, everyone for listening and uh, live. Uh, I saw my mom did pop in. Um, I guess I won't share the Instagram <laughs> oh, wow. photo with her. Uh, <laughs> huh. oh, not the Instagram photo. Instagram photos plus uh, Chris. I because I had your email up. I think I sent you multiple copies. <laughs> yeah, my phone. Everything. My phone uh, vibrated a couple times. I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, so um, yeah, thanks to both of you guys for joining us. And uh, sorry if we took up more time than you wanted. Uh, hopefully, you've eaten before uh-huh. the show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't, but I don't eat. So I mean, I think you've probably seen me before, and I don't have—I don't actually exist. <laughs> well, I haven't eaten either, but I'm very European. I like to eat at like ten. Oh, there you go. So he's not—he's good for another two hours. <laughs> Great. Well, it's my pleasure. I can't speak with Adam. No, well, you can because <laughs> it was my pleasure. Like, oh, I wasn't—I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't listening. To you. you're, you're, I tune your voice up. I, I wasn't expecting you to. Good. It's nothing new. Good. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Yes, thank you. This was a blast. Good. And I would never have seen this movie. Otherwise. You may have. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tend to. I talk about this movie quite often, and I try and organize people to get people and to yet, see it. This is the first time I've heard you talk about it that I remember. Uh, you know, I, I went on. I got. I got sidetracked there at one point, and I got. With you, me, sidetracked. I know. Crazy. My, my personal challenge will then be to like get Darren to watch other movies in the series to see, but he doesn't want to ruin the magic. So, oh, I think I think it might be time. I think I might have to start at Malibu Express and just see where it takes me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. It was uh, a real pleasure to have you both on. Uh, do you guys? Uh, it's uh, Darren's favorite part on all the podcasts. Even we do it. So, do you want to start us off by signing off and telling people where they can find you? <laughs> oh man, everywhere. I'm just 
you know, I don't, I, I'm just doing it all these days. What, I don't even, where am I? I? I had to do this once today, so it just goes out of my head. Um, let's see, I'm at a Dachis, A-D-A-C-H-I-S on Twitter, facebook.com slash Dachis. I think it's probably better to just, you know, go, go check out our, our other shows if we didn't, you know, destroy our reputation by acting like idiots. <laughs> Although, uh, you know, we do that every week anyway. But five by five TV slash awkward or slash supercharged. That's you know you can we're we're there twice a week usually. Where are you at? Well, you can also you can find me uh, um, if you if you want on Instagram at Darren Corp on oh, Twitter at Darren Herzig and on YouTube you can go to the Darren Corp channel and, and see all my wonderful bad movies. So I, oh, and just to because we've been talking about those photo or the the pictures Darren's been drawing, I keep, I've been posting them on Instagram during the discussion, uh, <laughs> multitasking. And uh, so at a Dachis is also that. I don't know if there's really anything else worth looking for on my Instagram, but if you know, if there's not. I basically just post <laughs> things that happen during podcasts. Nice. <laughs> Where can people find you guys? Well, uh, of course, there's filmfrown.com. Uh, there's also our other podcast, uh, Montreal Sauce, at montrealsauce.com. Um, that's always got the two of us. Uh, you can find me, uh, on Twitter at Paul D. Uh, and, uh, my blog is Padizio, P-A-D-I-Z-I-O dot com slash blog. Uh, you really got a great Twitter handle to get Paul D. Jeez. Yeah, I, uh, I got in that Twitter thing early. <laughs> I did too, but I registered the wrong name. <laughs> it's one of those things too, where like if anybody tweets any other person uh, with the name Paul and the last the last name starting with a D, they just kind of assume it's Paul D, and I get tagged in a bunch of people's replies, <laughs> which is fun. It's interesting to see what uh, people are sending other Paul D's. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. Uh... I'm at SickDays, S-I-K-K-D-A-Y-S on Twitter, and you can see whatever I seem to be writing or doing. Uh, if you just go to, well, I haven't updated the writing part, but SickDays.me, that'll work, or SickDays.com. Enjoy. Uh, next week, Paul and I are back with Montreal Sauce, as he said, uh, next Thursday, and we're lucky enough to have Taryn Arnold, the community happiness rep from Patreon, so join us live next Thursday if you want to learn some more about Patreon. Um, thanks so much again for listening. And uh, as I like to say to end the show, um, I like to use my little quote from Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, remember, wherever you are, there you are. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Good night. Bye. who follow you.